Hello and welcome to the weekend wrap for the week on Wednesday. I am Ben Davison and it is my great pleasure to be here with you on this the 3rd of October 2021. And what a huge end of the week we had last week and what a huge week of news we will have in the week to come. Of course, the big story that is dominating is that Gladys Berejiklian, on the same day that she was named by the AFR as one of Australia's four most powerful people had to resign from the position of Premier of New South Wales and has resigned her seat in the New South Wales Parliament due to an ICAC investigation. Now, let's be really clear here, because there's been a lot of hagiography about Gladys Berejiklian. Basically, a lot of people praising her, pretending that somehow she's the victim, talking up her achievements. Interestingly, I haven't actually seen a list of achievements, more a sort of general sense of, oh, she was so great. We loved her so much. What what are we going to do without Gladys? Well, I think, you know, personally, I think New South Wales would be better off without any Liberal government. But look, there are issues going to happen without Gladys there. We'll get to those in a moment. But let's get to the core of the issue here. Gladys Berejiklian has resigned because there will be an ICAC investigation into whether she breached this particular law, right? The law that states that a minister of the Crown must report any matter that the person suspects on reasonable grounds, concerns, or may concern corrupt conduct. That's what it says. Suspects, it may concern corrupt conduct. Now, last year, around this time, Episode 9 of the week on Wednesday, Van Batam and I discussed Daryl and Gladys go to ICAC, where it was revealed Gladys Berejiklian and Daryl Maguire were in a relationship, a secret relationship for many, many years, a relationship which many people believed, us included, presented a number of conflicts of interest, particularly given it was conducted secretly. One of the key things that came out of that ICAC hearing was a tape recording a tape recording between Gladys and Daryl, where Daryl goes, begins to talk about a land deal. And Gladys cuts him off and says, I don't need to know about that. And Daryl says, no, you don't. You don't. A reasonable person would suspect that the conduct he was involved in may have been corrupt. Otherwise, why would she not need to know about it? You see, this is the point. We need ministers to be held to a high standard and premiers to a higher standard yet again. I don't care about the relationship between Gladys Berejiklian and Daryl Maguire. I do care if that relationship resulted in the Clay Target Association receiving money it shouldn't have received. I do care if it means the Riverina Conservative Conservatorium of Music received money it shouldn't have received, and that somehow or another some of that money made its way into the pockets of Daryl Maguire or donors of the Liberal Party or property developers. There are lots of reasons why a strong, independent corruption commission is required. And this is one of them. Because in the dark corners, in the secret corners of government, That's where corruption festers. That's why the law is that a minister of the Crown must report any matter 
that the person suspects on reasonable grounds, concerns or may concern corrupt conduct. It's hard to see, based on that phone call, how Premier Berejiklian did not have reasonable grounds to report the behaviour of Darrell Maguire for what may have been corrupt conduct. Now, an investigation may have found that there was no corruption. It would appear, in actual fact, that the investigation will find there was. But the point of that law is to stop corrupt behaviour from happening. It's to ensure that any suspicion of corruption is investigated to help deter others from acting in a corrupt way. Because it's easy for people in positions of power to act together in a corrupt manner. We've seen that happen in this country. We've seen that happen in New South Wales, where people have acted in concert together for their benefit at the expense of the Australian people. You have to have a strong disincentive. You have to have it. Because the incentives to work together in a corrupt manner are very strong. Are very strong. We've seen people become millionaires from corruption. We've seen people hold the highest office in the land because of corruption. So for journalists and former Liberal leaders to come out and say, what a great job Gladys did and well done Gladys and this is ICAC going too far, it misses the point. Gladys could have solved poverty and housed every person and made sure that everyone had enough money to pay their bills and a job and dignity and the health care they need. By the way, she didn't do any of those things. It's not as though she was a premier who did those things. She's a premier who oversaw a housing affordability crisis, who privatised as many things as she possibly could. This is a premier who allowed Delta to run rampant throughout not just New South Wales, but in fact, Victoria, Queensland. Today, we've seen cases in Tasmania. This is a premier whose whose behaviour on the national stage was to attack the Premier of Queensland, to attack the Premier of Victoria, to attack the Premier of WA, was to back in her mate Morrison at the cost of the people of New South Wales. I will never forget nor forgive Scott Morrison for praising Gladys Berejiklian for not locking down sooner. I, like many people in this country, have been separated from people I love for months and months and months because of the failure of Gladys Berejiklian and the failure of Scott Morrison. So for Scott Morrison to praise a Premier who has had to resign, resign because she failed, failed to report on a matter that she suspected on reasonable grounds or should have suspected on reasonable grounds of being corrupt or concerning corrupt conduct is a disgrace. It is a disgrace. I'm glad Gladys Berejiklian is gone. Don't get me wrong. I understand the repercussion. The repercussion is that Dom Perrottet, 
who doesn't believe the Aboriginal flag should be allowed to be flown from the Sydney Harbour Bridge, who believes Donald Trump represents the silent majority, even though he actually only got less than 25% of eligible votes in the election, is the, the rightful president of the United States, that he is a member of the Opus Dei ultra-conservative faction of the Catholic Church, that he was he was arguing strongly to avoid any form of lockdown in Sydney and essentially to let Delta rip even further than it already has. I understand that he will likely become Premier of New South Wales now as a result of Gladys resigning. But we cannot, we cannot simply say we have to keep Gladys in place just to avoid Dominic Perrottet. We have to campaign hard to keep him honest and accountable and remove him from that position. If he were any kind of leader, the first thing he would do is put forward a bill to the New South Wales Parliament, which, by the way, has been suspended under Gladys, was suspended under Gladys. He would recall Parliament and he would put forward a bill for an early election. Now, I know not many people are calling for this. This is not a broad call-out issue. But frankly, the situation in New South Wales has devolved to the point where the elected leader of the Liberal Party has had to resign due to a corruption investigation. The front-runner to become Premier of New South Wales by default is a person that I think most most New South Welsh people would see as unsuitable for that role. There is many, many key issues around health, around infrastructure, privatisation, around supporting workers, pay rises for nurses that have been delayed and cut that should be put to the people of New South Wales. They should be given their democratic right to have a say. And whether it's Dom Perrottet or one of the other essentially bland white men who will replace Gladys, that should be their first and only act. It won't be, but it should be. And frankly, we have to stop pretending that Gladys was some great saviour. The media has consistently gotten this wrong. The AFR ran a piece about how Gladys was the woman who saved Australia and then she allowed the Delta outbreak. They ran that piece after the Ruby Princess. After the Ruby Princess. They ran that piece after the failure of the New South Wales government to deal with the outbreaks in residential aged care. After they failed to deal with the need for more nurses. After they faced criticism from the health services union, the nurses union, all of the unions that were saying... Our system is struggling. Our hospitals are shutting down. We need more support. We need more help. That's what unions do, right? They say we need the support and the help. We need to help the workers do the job. She failed on all those fronts. And ultimately, she has resigned because her position was untenable. Scott Morrison spent most of 2021 defending his own ministers and their behaviour Right from sports rorts and land rorts and affairs with their staff and all sorts of just unbelievably bad behaviour. Some of it probably corrupt. We don't know because there is no federal ICAC. 
some of it probably corrupt, most of it immoral. Defending them, saying that people who have done nothing wrong have no reason to resign. People who have done nothing wrong have no reason to step aside. Well, if that's true, then Scott Morrison, by your own standard, Gladys has clearly done something wrong because she has resigned. She has resigned. So for him to come out and praise her and for the, and for the Sydney elitists and the Sydney media elite to, to jump on the, oh, she was so great, oh, what a loss, is just sickening. It's sickening to see. As someone in Victoria who's now dealing with the fact that she failed to act quickly, she failed to do what was necessary, and now we're stuck once again in lockdown, it sickens me to see. It absolutely sickens me to see. So let's talk about what happens next. New South Wales will have a new Premier sometime in the next week or so. And it won't be Andrew Constance. Andrew Constance, who was one of the front runners early, has announced he will be leaving state parliament to try and become the federal member for Gilmore. This is the second time he's announced... Sorry, the third time he's announced he was leaving state parliament. The first time he announced he was leaving politics altogether, changed his mind. The second time he announced he was running for Edmund Narrow, changed his mind. Now he's said he's going to run for Gilmore. Who knows? Maybe he'll change his mind again. Frankly, Andrew Constance couldn't build ferry he couldn't buy ferries that fit under the bridges in Sydney he he he's a he's a failure as a minister as well frankly you know rather than build it in new south wales or even buy it from another state in australia he was tr- more than happy to travel the world buying junk that doesn't work buses ferries, trains. If it didn't fit or didn't float, then he would be buying it. Don't you worry about that. So I'm sure he'll find a place in Morrison's caucus very, very comfortable. Don Perrottet, as I mentioned, is the likely successor. You know, this this guy. Go back and watch the Four Corners expose on iCare, right? Because Ed Husick pointed out that on Insiders today, that Gladys Berejiklian was a premier for the wealthy suburbs of Sydney, not for the rest of the state. Don Perrottet is going to take that to a whole new level. If you go and watch that expose about eye care, you'll see that as the minister responsible, he has been involved in some incredibly, incredibly poor practices which has resulted in many, many injured workers suffering while executives ratcheted up huge payments, while staff were bounced from Peritet's office to to eye care back again. You know, if he becomes Premier, frankly, I think New South Wales will lose another Premier to an ICAC investigation because I do not see how his hands... Uh, clean in all of that. It makes no sense to me that his chief of staff would be involved in moving staff around, that he's involved with eye care, but somehow or another not involved uh, enough to know that their behaviour was totally unacceptable. And there's a whole range of other issues. All you need to do is is Google Dom Perrottet scandal. I mean, the man wants to bulldoze 10 iconic buildings in Sydney. He, he wrote a newspaper article about it. 
you know, the, the, the idea that leadership credentials are built around what you want to destroy and what you want to tear down rather than what you want to build up is twisted. It's a twisted notion. And it, and this idea, oh, well, he was sort of joking, and isn't he such a larrikin? It's not a larrikin thing to say you want to bulldoze housing commission uh, homes, that take away people's homes. That's an outrageous thing for a minister of a government to say. But, you know, Don Perrottet will end up as Premier of New South Wales. He should call an election. He won't. Hopefully, uh, hopefully the next election sees him removed anyway. Moving on to the COVID situation. I touched on this before. Obviously, we're starting to get to a point, a good point, where vaccination levels are increasing. This is excellent news. We're starting to get through that 70, 80% first dose of vaccine for people over 16. And this is a key point for people over 16. We're starting to see New South Wales likely get to 70% double vaccinated shortly. Victoria, probably more towards the end of October, start of November, to reach that point as well. But we have to remember that if 80% of all Australians, including those under 16, were vaccinated, there would still be there would still be around 5 million Australians unvaccinated. So when you exclude those under 16, the number jumps up. We start to talk about six, six and a half million Australians who will not be vaccinated once we reach that 80% double vaxxed over 16 mark. That's a lot of people. And in the UK and the US and other parts of the world, they're starting to see that that means spread, hospitalizations, and deaths. And we need to be very, very careful here. Because as Van and I discussed on the week on Wednesday this week, there are many communities that haven't had access to vaccine for very long. So even though the state number will hit those those roadmap targets, there will be pockets of vulnerable people, people with a disability, young people, people who are in insecure work and have to travel long distances and multiple sites to do their work who will not be vaccinated. Now, Victoria has said that essential workers, a million plus people will need to be vaccinated by the middle of October. Obviously, the union movement is working hard to try and get people vaccinated, to encourage people to do that, to, to work with employers, to make sure that people are safe at work. And I cannot stress this enough. Joining your union now is so important. We've seen just this week the fake unions coming up in in Queensland in particular, where the LNP are running these associations designed to strip members out of unions using this right-wing propaganda from the US around anti-vaxxer movements. You need to join your union because the union is there making sure you're safe at work, making sure you can go to work, making sure you get paid properly. These fake unions up in Queensland, run by the LNP, run by the Liberal Party, they can't represent you. They're legally not allowed. They can sell you insurance. They can take your data and use it for political purposes, but they're not real unions. 
Real unions are there for you when you need them. And that's what's happening in Victoria. We're seeing the union movement step up. So join your union. Do it, do it now. Do it today. AustralianUnions.org.au slash wow, W-O-W for the week on Wednesday. That's where you join your union. So we're going to see these pockets of low vaccination and they're going to be vulnerable people. They're going to be vulnerable people. So we've got to keep going. We've got to keep getting more people vaccinated. We've got to move beyond the 80% target to a 90% target, a 95% target. The kind of vaccination rates that we have for other things, the kind of vaccination rates we have for measles, you know, the kind of vaccination rates we have for rubella. These are the sorts of things that we need to target, those sorts of high levels of vaccination. We don't want to see a situation where we start to reopen the borders. Morrison, obviously, this week rolled out a plan for that. And people come back to Australia and they bring more COVID with them. And because there are pockets of people that are not vaccinated, it spreads. And new variants crop up and we have a problem. And we're back where we are now in a year's time. Nobody wants to see that. We all want this to come to an end. And we want it to come to an end in a way that gives us dignity of work dignity of community, a sense of connectedness. That's what we want to see. So I'd encourage everyone to get vaccinated. I'm not interested in this sort of, oh, it's a personal choice sort of narrative. Fine, it's a personal choice. No one's going to mandate you to have to get vaccinated. But your choices have consequences for you and for the people around you. That's the thing about choice, is that it means something. Making a choice has meaning. You know, I remember when they put choices in video games and it changes the outcome, right? If you have a choice that doesn't mean it doesn't make any change, it's not a real choice. If you choose not to get vaccinated, you're choosing to put yourself and the people around you at risk. And you might be choosing not to be able to participate in certain occupations, If you want to work in an abattoir, you've got to get vaccinated for Q fever. You have to, because that's part of the job. And we're going to see more of that as we go forward. Because COVID is dangerous. COVID is deadly. And we've just gone through nearly two years of lockdowns, of pain, of separation, of economic and social damage. Look, I'm going to end on a good news note. The good news is it looks like we will be able to spend Christmases together. That's fantastic. I'm really looking forward to seeing my friends who were promised by Morrison that they'd be home by last Christmas. Really looking forward to seeing them home by this Christmas. And hopefully you'll get to spend time with your family and your friends very soon as well. Until then, remember to be kind to yourself and to each other.